Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to Forgive and Forget. My name is Hal Sadie, a.k.a. Halu. And this week, we have another comedian on the show. Another guest. This is a lot of guests coming in lately. This has been great. Fantastic comedians coming in, baby. So, uh, this week, we have uh, Matthew Amos. And uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Matthew Amos Comedy. And then you spell that M-A-T-T-H-E-W. A-M-O-S comedy on Instagram. So uh, we had a little bit of a uh, hitch on this one. So it kind of the same thing that happened with Alex Olinger, but even sooner, like with Alex, we still had about 20 minutes here, about four minutes. And I don't know if those four minutes are of us just talking about what would happen during the podcast. So maybe we don't even have any. So (laughs) I do have something. I do have something for a picture. Uh, I was talking to Robert before we recorded his podcast, and he told me that by having it on Do Not Disturb, it would help. And I think that really did the trick because when we recorded his, there was no hitch. And then when Matthew came, so one of the rare cases of doing a back-to-back episode, so I uh, I recorded with Robert and then Matthew came, so I kind of got a little bit distracted and forgot to put it on Do Not Disturb. So now I'm just going to do that every single time. I'm going to put it on Do Not Disturb every single time I record video. And whether it's five minutes or a fucking two hours, okay? And also, I'm just going to turn my phone off and then turn it back on just to make sure, man. Because I did a little bit of research. A little bit of research on my end as well. So I just want to make sure. Now, uh... On with the show, okay? Please follow Matthew at Matthew Amos Comedy on Instagram. And he's a, he's another fantastic comedian. I'll talk to you later, guys. Hey, everyone. We got Matthew Amos on the podcast. Matt is a fantastic comedian and a writer. You, you do like a million things, I feel like. And... I'll I'll let you do the talking in a minute. So just welcome to the show, dude. Thank you. Yeah, what's the name of your show? So the name of the show is called Forgive and Forget. And I thought about this a lot like a few years ago. And I don't know why it came to my mind. But along the lines, I'm like, along the lines of like, as I've been recording, it's been like, I'm forgive and forget because this is really bad. So I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, that. It sounds like it's religious or something like that, but not really. I don't know. Religious or maybe like an AA thing? Yeah. I guess we're we're all trying to be anonymous here. I don't I don't know, man. So <laughs> but but yeah. So uh what uh tell me a little bit about like yourself. Like what well, where did you grow up? I grew up in Riverside, California. Do you know a lot about California? Yeah, I lived in in the LA area for about eight years. So, and Riverside, I didn't go to Riverside too many times, but I, I I've been there like maybe eight or ten times, somewhere in between. I don't know if it still is, but it used to be the serial killer capital of the world. What? Yeah, but it's uh, I mean, it's not a crazy dangerous place, but it okay. just had the most uh, serial killers. Really? Um, it's. So if you're in L.A., then you go to Orange County, Mm -hmm. and then it's Riverside County, and then San Diego County. Okay. So it's uh it's in between the bigger cities, very suburban type of place. Yeah. What? 
And you lived there most of your life, I'm guessing? Yeah, I lived there until until I was about 27. Okay. Yeah, and then I moved to Fresno. That's in the middle of California. Yeah. That's where I started doing comedy. Okay. What what was it like growing up in in Riverside? It was cool, yeah. I I'm I wanted to move the whole time I was there. Yeah. But uh I think it was a good place to grow up. I think especially cuz people there are really focused on um the arts. Mhm. I didn't really notice this until I left, but people there are really into movies, books, and music, especially where I grew up. Music was very popular. Yeah. The kids who were in bands or played music were like the most popular kids at school, and there was a ton of people in bands in school. There's actually at our school more like goth, punk, and metalhead kids than there were just regular kids. Really? Probably. Okay. What 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 would you classify yourself in, in that I, range? I was into metal back then and hardcore mm-hmm. which is kind of like in between metal and punk okay that was what me and my friends are into you still listen to that music right oh yeah every day like eight hours a day but <laughs> <laughs> I, I work from home so i could listen okay. to what i want okay um when uh what was high school for you like what what was it like uh it was cool it was really good yeah i grew up at um I did wrestling in high school. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I wrestled all four years in high school. And then that's when I got into music as well. So I used to go to my buddies' band shows all the time. And eventually I joined a band, but that was after high school. Okay. Well, high school was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. What was yours like? Mine was, uh, I I didn't, the only sport I played during high school was soccer. And I could have been a really good goalie if I actually. Oh, so you were the goalie. I, I. So I was when there wasn't a goalie, but I was like, I have like really good instincts and like uh, reflexes and stuff like that. So if, but I wanted to like be on the field. So if I, if I actually decided to be a goalie, I think I would have been a great one, but my, I feel like I did not want to do that. So I I didn't do it. Um, It was only like on a case by case when I, when it was needed basis, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll do it. How is the goalie in the higher... I've never been on a soccer team. Is he, like, the man? Is a lot of times he's the captain, or do people kind of uh, look down on him? Like, where is he in the hierarchy of the team? That's a good question. So the goalie typically, he's not like the man, but sometimes he is the captain, but usually uh, managers prefer that the captain is someone that's on the field. Yeah, so he can communicate with everyone. Yeah, because the goalie's always at the... at by the like kind of lonely in a way. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess that kind of relates to stand up in a way, but it so yeah he's always at the goal and he's rarely rarely like on the field so yeah. typically they don't make that it's it's I guess it's like a thirty percent sort of deal like they're the captain and then the other time is like someone that plays it's almost like the custodian in a big warehouse or yeah. like the a lot of times in a company they'll have the guy who just you send him off to go do his thing alone and yeah. then you go pick it up from him, but he doesn't really interact with yeah. everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of that way too, man. Cause like you're just pretty much minding your, your own business until you really need to deal with the situation. Right. Like, so it's, it's that way. And I, I loved high school. I've had, I had like moments of like, Oh, I, I was kind of a loser and I had moments of like, oh, everybody loves me. So it was kind of like a little bit in between of everything. Did you have a 
a stereotype or were, were you like, you know how in the high school movies they have the different yeah. stereotypical people jocks nerds goths yeah. were you one of those things uh i i i was kind of a somewhere in between nerd and jock somewhere cuz i wasn't a jock but i i was an, i was very nerdy don't get me wrong like huge nerd like i i i, I some this is how big of a nerd i was i was ashamed to tell people that i loved video games because back then playing video games was there was some sort of stigma behind it oh, okay what what were the games like what were you playing nintendo or yeah. was it up to super nintendo and i so i had a nintendo I, the nes first then for some reason i went to a genesis and then went to uh, an n64 genesis was cool yeah it, it had a lot of good stuff yeah yeah so what what, what did you play uh well, ever since i could remember we had a nintendo at my grandma's house because mm-hmm. it was my uncle's yeah and I can, I probably played that for the first time when I was three or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a time before that. Yeah. And that had Lolo and uh, Zelda and Mario and all yeah. that stuff. And then I think when I was around six or seven, I got a Super Nintendo. That was my first console. Okay. And then PlayStation Dreamcast. And then I think by the time, oh no, I got PS2 in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, that that was those are all the consoles I played. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. What like for example with my friends, I had friends that we like we you know we played video games, but then, so the like the cool people, we didn't tell them that we played video oh. games, but but they played video games as well. So <laughs> so Everyone it was, was pretending. Yeah, they didn't every, play. everybody was pretending. So did you have like a similar situation like that? Um, no, I guess they were somewhat nerdy, mm-hmm. but you know I don't really remember people specifically. Maybe I was just shielded from this, but I don't really remember people specifically getting bullied for nerd stuff Mm -hmm. it was um yeah there was only a few kids at school who got bullied yeah i guess because they're extremely socially awkward yeah Uh, yeah it's tough to say I felt like the coolest kids in school were the ones who were into band okay into bands and into music okay so if you were doing that you could pretty much do whatever you want yeah wear a dragon ball z shirt you could play video games yeah yeah, I guess sometimes, though, if me and my friends really geeked out, started talking about Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy and stuff, yeah. I could tell people would get... Oh, this is too much, dude. It was too much for them. <laughs> Were you ever in a band? I was, yeah. I got into one when I was about um, 24 or 25. Okay. Yeah, cause my, one of my best friends, his dad was a drummer, and he started playing drums when he was like three years old. Okay. And then him, him and some of my other friends, they actually played a concert at my school when we were in fifth grade. Oh, wow. Okay. Remember that. So I was amazed by that. So I always thought he was so cool. And then he was always in bands when I was growing up, and I would always ask him, like, let me sing in your band. I want to sing with you guys. And finally, we got it together when I was about 24 or 25. Okay. And then we did that for about two years. Two years? And did you always play an instrument? Uh, I had piano lessons when I was a kid, and then I played saxophone in high school. Oh, wow, okay. In the band, I just sang, though. And it was hardcore, so it so was just like <laughs> yelling, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you still do stuff like that? Uh, I growl at the cat all the time. Okay. But, <laughs> 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 but I don't, uh, I haven't done it in a long time. I'd like to make some music. Okay. But it's just so busy doing stand-up all the time. You know? Yeah. Sometimes we'll be out for six hours or something tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find time to play guitar and everything. Yeah. For a little while while we were here, I got discouraged with stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do stand-up for like four or five months. Especially because my car got stolen. Oh, so I was shit, just, dude. Just kind of lost the urge to you know, pay money to get an Uber or ask mm-hmm. someone to give me a ride. Yeah. 
and during that time i was really i came up with the band name and i started making songs and i was playing guitar every day and i'd like to eventually you know if things work out for us and we're actually making money from doing stand-up, yeah. I would want to bring a guitar and my laptop and everything on tour with me okay. and record and write songs yeah, all the time. That, that sounds like fun, man. Yeah. And I used to make hip-hop music, too. Hip-hop? Dude, mm-hmm. what, you know everything. <laughs> so um, were, you, were you rapping as well, or, or were you just doing the music? For our band, sometimes I would make little interludes with mm-hmm. beats. Um, for our uh, recordings mm-hmm. and then i had a comedy hip-hop group with some of my friends okay we played like three shows all at my friends houses yeah one of our shows it was my buddy's birthday and he wanted us to play so we did and we actually the neighbor called the cops on us yeah. but not because it was too loud it's because he didn't like the lyrics uh. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are very offensive he's like i like these tunes but those lyrics man. <laughs> he probably didn't like the music <laughs> okay so but then i also made serious uh hip-hop music on my okay. own okay i never performed that i just did that for fun okay so Dude, you're you're very multifaceted. So okay, you you wrestled, you played music. Did in high school were you uh, was there an instrument that you gravitated more uh, more towards? Um, it was mostly making the beats. That was the thing I was the best at. Okay, I've never been great at actual music. Music. Mm-hmm. I was last chair saxophone all three years of middle school. Okay. So fourteenth uh, out of fourteen other saxophone players. Hey, man. <laughs> and then uh, I've played guitar for a long time, but I'm very uh, basic meat and potatoes guy. I'm okay. Not, can't do anything fancy, really. Okay. More more for the uh, composition. Okay. So, what do you like the? Let me ask you this: since uh, about wrestling, did you enjoy wrestle wrestling? I did. I loved wrestling. I hated practice. Okay. I hated the exercising and the dieting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I loved once it was actually time to wrestle, I loved that. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I do stand up. Yeah. I liked that uh Well, I feel like especially when I was growing up in the 90s, all the movies were there were so many bad messages in our movies. Mm-hmm. I felt like most movies were telling kids when you grow up, you're going to have a job you hate and you're going to yeah. hate your wife and you're going to hate everything about life until you kill yourself. Yeah. So stuff like Fight Club, yeah. Office Space, yeah. American Beauty. <laughs> and All uh, the good movies, that's their message. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I always felt like, damn, yeah, that does sound awful, just having a nine-to-five life mm-hmm. like that. I need that. Uh, what I really liked about wrestling was you're there, you're practically in your underwear, there's a spotlight on you, everyone's watching, your family, the girl you like, everyone, and... You're either going to win or you're going to get humiliated in front of everyone. Yeah. And so I felt like with stand-up, I could kind of get that feeling again, okay. that excitement, you know? Yeah, because it's like you're you're depending on yourself yeah. in a way. Yeah, and you could fail real bad. Yeah. So that just, it's a, it has a little excitement to your life. Were you, it, and this is, I'll, I'll, let's go this way. Did you consider yourself to be good? No, I wasn't. I, uh, I didn't make, so on the wrestling team, you have to wrestle everyone else in your weight every week mm-hmm. so you have to make the team every week really yeah so well, sometimes you could be on the team and the next week you could lose to your buddy and he'll be on the team okay and so we had a freshman team a jv team and a varsity team mm-hmm. and i didn't make the varsity team till halfway through senior year okay when the guy ahead of me got injured mm. so i was like the back of the line guy okay <laughs> and then in but i would say I was a 
C plus wrestler because okay. my senior year my record was sixteen and fifteen. Okay, I mean uh, you, you you still had a winning record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did do you miss that sort of exertion? I enjoyed it a lot. I would like to do jujitsu again. I used to do jujitsu in between wrestling uh, okay. seasons. Oh, so oh, do you're like double I did trouble karate there. since I was six. Oh my and god! And then I used dude. to. My dad was a boxer, and so okay. he we used to. He he was a boxer, and he was like a baseball player, football player, basketball player. He loved all the sports. Yeah. But I was terrible. He could tell from when I was a little kid. Just any kind of balls, I was terrible with yeah. it. So we used to box. He would get out the pads or have okay. like the speed bag or the yeah. heavy bag, and we would do that together instead of like playing catch and stuff. Okay, but. That sounds like you had a very disciplined childhood, though. Uh, I was always doing something. I mean, I have I found plenty of time to dick off. I know yeah. there was times during the summer where I would play Sonic the Hedgehog for like seven days straight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not leave the house. Okay. Okay. But it seems like you were very athletic, though. Uh, I really I wasn't that athletic. Mm-hmm. I was about 160 pounds my varsity year. And I was, we would go run like four miles before each practice and I'd be yeah. in the back with like the 280 pound guys. Okay. I was always a terrible runner. <laughs> <laughs> it's 160. That's, that's about your weight now, right? Um, I probably weigh like 175 now. Really? Okay. I would guess. Yeah. I haven't weighed myself in a long time though. Okay. And actually at Planet Fitness, they don't have scales. They don't have a scale? Really? They have scales. Yeah. That, that's. I've never heard of a gym that sounds doesn't absurd, have Sounds absurd, right? Yeah. That sounds so Everyone so I go in, I ask them and they say, we don't have them. Okay. Are there a lot of fat people at this gym? They they kind of have this weird marketing slogan where it's about no judgment and everyone's accepted here. And so, it, I don't know, maybe think the scales okay. is like okay, embarrassing people or something. All right. Okay. That, that, that makes sense, I guess. But, okay. So, you did a lot of martial arts. And you, so, you did do jujitsu, though. Yeah, so in uh, in the summer, we wouldn't be able to wrestle because the season's over. So then I would do jiu-jitsu. Okay. Yeah. Did Did you ever, like, what what belt did you get to? Uh, no, I didn't get to any belt. I don't even remember our, I don't think anyone even had belts. Yeah, we, the okay. place where I went, everyone would just wear street clothes. We okay. didn't, it was like no-gi jiu-jitsu. Okay. I don't know how, yeah, I think they kind of, my brother was, he did taekwondo. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was associated with his Taekwondo jo- dojo, mm-hmm. so I think they just kind of let me go there and hang out. Okay. I, maybe I wasn't officially like part of the, the team. Okay. Yeah, dude, you should definitely get back to that. I, I used to do jiu-jitsu. Oh, and, cool. And I I miss it so much, dude. It is, I've never had a workout like that. How long did you do it for? I did it for about two years. Oh, cool. And when I moved here, one of the coolest things about Austin is that you get the like the biggest uh, it used to be New York but for some reason a lot of them moved to Austin and you get like the the biggest uh, teachers uh, all the best the best gyms the best yeah. teachers I don't know are, are you familiar with the jiu-jitsu world a little bit yeah do you know who John Donaher is I've heard of him yeah okay so yeah, he, he trains MMA fighters and yeah, stuff. yeah yeah so you, you know George St. Pierre mm-hmm. so he was his jiu-jitsu coach oh wow so and the biggest jiu-jitsu guy right now his name's Gordon Ryan he's his teacher and they teach here in Austin dude oh wow so one of the things that I was excited about was oh I, I get to go train with this guy so I went to his uh, classes for about six or seven months, 
And dude, it was amazing by the what you would learn and the people you were surrounded by, because you know people from around the world are just dropping in, dropping in, like some, some like Australians would just come here for like a month just to be able to train with this guy. Right, right. So you're getting all different levels of this thing. I was the worst one at that gym every single time, but I learned so much. So, I, what my brother-in-law, he he's he's been in like he was in the army did combatives and stuff like that and he's and he's done like that sort of stuff for a long time and he just like gave me my he always handed my ass so i after training there and then i had like a trip like a work trip and he works we work at the same company and for some reason we ended up wrestling and i'm like hey man let's do this just uh just for old time's sake and i he would just like manhandle me and this time i felt like i was actually like getting somewhere okay he still submitted me but i feel like if if i didn't make like a dumb mistake it would have been a lot more even so you could tell you're progressing a lot yeah yeah and that's the only way i because here i I had no way of being like oh man i'm making i'm making progress no everybody's just kicking my ass so that was where i was like oh i'm actually learning shit so that was cool but yeah dude yeah do you still go there? No, I haven't been there for since May, so however long that's been. Did you get injured or you just got busy? No, so uh my my wife lost her job at that time, so we had to um like, you know, regroup and like cut save cut, money cut costs. Yeah. So I haven't been back, but I one of the things I want to do is like like you said like w- once we get to tour around and whatever I, that's one of those things that I want to get back into. Cause yeah, I, make more I, time for that. Yeah, because right now it's just comedy takes up such such a long time d- of your day. Yeah. That How often were you going? Here about twice a week. When I lived in Utah, that's where I started doing it. There was a point where I was doing it six times a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, because there wasn't much stand up there. So yeah. <laughs> so that was, I, I needed something to not kill myself. So. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and so that was kind of like the thing I did and it was great, dude. The only problem is like, that's where I got injured there quite a bit. Cause I, I was like overworking myself. Mm. And I don't know if you had this with wrestling Were you like, even though you were injured, you were like still forcing yourself to keep going. Yeah, that would happen. Yeah, I was. I never got seriously injured, but I, I did hurt my shoulder, and it's it's hurt ever since. Yeah, even today I was lifting weights in my shoulder. There's uh, like a point where it, it hurts. Do do you do like anything to rehab it? I no, not really. I went to the hospital when it happened, and the doctor just told me there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, but it's hurt for my whole life since then. Ooh, <laughs> did you ever dislocate it or anything like that? I don't. I don't think so. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Maybe you should try like so. I I've dislocated mine a few times, and the I told one of the trainers the first time I ever went to the gym, hey, I'm coming here because the doctor told me, hey, you should rehab this, and he like he's made me do like a bunch of band exercises. Maybe you should try doing that and see if that works. Yeah, no, that sounds good. That actually sounds like a good idea. I need to do that because the the bands like work like the little microfibers mm-hmm. of the muscle, so that that probably build those back up. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, okay. Very athletic and very, like, martial arts oriented. And so, what, uh, when you, when, did you ever, like, stop doing music at some point? 
Yeah. Um, so I was in my band, and then everyone kind of moved on. People left to go to college and mm-hmm. do other things, and so the band was pretty much done. And then uh, I, I drove. I delivered pizzas for seven years. Okay. And when my I had a lot of cars break down, but when my final car broke down, mm-hmm. then I I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I moved in with my parents in Fresno. Okay. And then that's I was still making a little music there, making some hip hop music and stuff. And I got a job at a record store. Okay. And then at the record store, that's where you look like you would work at a record store. Yeah. We had a uh, a party, and I yeah. met a stand up comedian there. Okay. And then he told me I had to try stand up, and then that's how I started it. And then that's pretty much when I stopped really making much music officially. Okay. Well, you poured everything into stand up, I'm guessing. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Now, did you always have the long hair? No, I grew it when I think I was about 16. Okay. And then there was a few points where I cut it off. When I was in my band, I had a shaved head. Really? I wow. Okay. But I'm, yeah. I'm, there's I can't imagine you like you, you have these luscious locks. I can't imagine you with a shaved head. We'll see. It's starting to get a bit uh dry and old. If yeah. I start going bald or it starts getting dry and old, I'll shave it off cuz Do you have any like receding hairline? Don't um a tiny. I think I feel like I have a tiny bit over there. That looks like you've always had that though. So uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I could stare at it for hours and be like, "Was yeah. it always like that or is there maybe?" <laughs> cuz to me it looks like a regular hairline, but it could have been maybe. Sometimes you ever see like a a if you see a really young person, sometimes their hairline is yeah, like it's like so whoa. far forward. So you're like, yeah. I must have lost something over yeah. the years. <laughs> yeah, that maybe, dude, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, because your hair looks amazing. I'm very jealous of it. By oh, the way, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like a dick too, because if I'm staring in the mirror wondering if my hair is gonna fall out, I mean, I'm 38. I've had hair much longer than most people. I should just yeah. be grateful for what I got. Yeah, no, but you're not. You, you you can't be a dick by just you know, hair is very. Imp- I feel like hair is very important to everybody, and if you never really thought about it, and and then you suddenly think you're about to lose it, that's when it becomes more important. I don't know. I have been reading a lot about bald men, though. Apparently, yeah. they come off more. Um, intimidating mm-hmm. more dominant and look like an inch taller to everyone really so if i end up shaving it there are benefits to it too. yeah yeah seem more like more commanding more like a leader i guess yeah like uh well, could, yeah i could see that i whenever i shaved my head i just look like my head looks weird so <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know and i don't have much on my head anyway so i should shave it i just anyway it doesn't matter so at least it's short, though. Yeah, I keep it like it's very noticeable that I'm bald. I'm not like trying to cover anything up. So, but so okay, your parents moved to Fresno, and then you moved to Fresno. Yeah. So how long did you stay in in Riverside before you moved? Um. Well, my parents they moved to West Virginia when I started college. Oh, okay. And then they moved to Fresno when I was about twenty five or twenty six. Okay. Then that's when I moved in with them. Did you ever, like, visit them in West Virginia? Yeah, I used to visit them in West Virginia every year. Well, what was that like? It was really nice. It was really cool. I think it would have been really hard for me to live there. Yeah. But just going there for a week or so, that was amazing. Okay. It's uh, It was about... They were about 40 miles just into the woods off okay. of the freeway. All right. If you wanted to go to the movies, it was like an hour and 45-minute drive. Yeah. To go to Walmart, it's like a three-hour drive. Yeah. I mean, they were real deep out in the woods in West Virginia. Okay. So it was awesome. Yeah, it was like basically being in a cabin. 
Okay. Just in the middle of the woods, deers walk up to their house all the time and stuff. That and sounds awesome. So when they moved to Fresno, what what was Fresno like for you? Fresno is it's almost exactly the same as where I grew up. Yeah. 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 It's a uh, it's a trashy California town. Were you done with college by then? Yes. I was, but uh actually when I was 30 I went back. No, when I was when I was 28 between 28 and 32 I did college again. Okay. Well, what was your first major? First major was film. Film? Okay. What was your second major? Second major is English. English? Okay. They're, they still vary. They're still both very um, in, in, intersectionable. Yeah, yeah. Mostly when I was doing film, I was mostly on the writing side. Anyways. Okay. So, so it was similar. Yeah. So you've always gravitated towards writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I used to start. Um, my dad's a writer, and he got me one of those little word processors mm-hmm. when I was about seven years old. Yeah. Do you remember those? It's just like a computer, but all I could do is word, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I started, I would write short stories on there, and he would be writing stories on his computer, and then we'd go look at each other's stuff. Okay. Yeah, so. How old were you when you started doing that? Started doing that when I was about seven. Oh, wow. Okay, so you've been writing for quite a while. Yeah, I loved books when I was a kid. I was obsessed with those Goosebumps books. Okay. I started reading Stephen King and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I would always, I would be constantly reading all the time when I was a kid. I loved it. I actually, the doctor told me I had to get these glasses. When I was about six years old, because mm-hmm. I was reading too much in the dark. Really? Because you're reading too much in the dark? Mm. I guess your your eyesight is forcing like too much. Something. It, they probably would have went bad anyways, but I have really, really bad eyes. Yeah. So if you if you're not wearing glasses, like what what's is it like far sighted or near sighted? Um, it's near sighted. Yeah. Okay. Damn, dude. So since you were seven you've been writing man that's incredible okay that explains a lot though because your writing is very i feel like everybody like tabit you uh, alex like you're all great writers dude like well what the fuck man oh thank you Um, yeah well i write that's what i do for work too yeah so okay so yeah, I remember you, you do, uh, you write for, uh, was it like, uh, what, what what do you write for? Well, I can't talk about it too specifically, mm. but I write for and edit for a website. Okay. For a couple websites. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so you started writing since you were seven. D- did you, did you, and were you very, are you still very close to, with your dad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's, yeah, it seems like he, like, uh pretty much guided you along the way with different things yeah yeah he did he uh he's working on a book now about his okay. uh basically his life experiences because he worked okay. in a prison he was okay uh, f- yeah for like my whole life prison and warden or something like that he was uh it's called a case manager okay so he would kind of review people's cases and advocate for them to have less time or more time and things like that okay but yeah he's writing a book about that basically because i i um uh, i didn't get to re- to reading like, until like later in my life. I did read a few of the Goosebumps books. Yeah. I, I was very excited about those. <laughs> for, for, I don't know why they were horrible, <laughs> but they were fun though. And but anything that school just like forced you to read, right, I right. never really like read. It's always really dry, serious stuff. Yeah, and even like I've I've gone back to read some of the stuff that they made you read in school. Like, oh, this isn't that bad, but I, for some reason, if they're just forcing it down your throat, it doesn't feel as good. I guess I don't know. But 
don't know if you if this is the same case for you, but like I feel like when I when it's my idea, it's great. And when it's other people's ideas, it's, and then and then just they just try to push it down your your mm-hmm. throat. It's not as fun. It, d- does that happen to you? I would guess it probably did at some point mm-hmm. in time. I know I was much better with school the second time around. Yeah. I went for sure. The first time, yeah, not great. But uh, I, I would always read whatever they gave me because I just loved reading. Okay. But I do think it's weird that the selection of books for school, you would think that they would, like Harry Potter's most best-selling book of all time. Why yeah. not just make the kids read that? They yeah. love it. They, they want, you know what I mean? That'll make them want to read more. Yeah, yeah. So that that makes sense to me. I don't know. I, I, I can't see why they wouldn't be doing that, right? I guess they... They want to, the books they make people read in school, there's some historical purpose for it, I yeah, guess. I yeah. don't know. But, so, the, I got into, like, for real, got into reading, like, the first, have you ever read The Unbearable Lightness of Being? Uh, I don't think so. Is that Oscar Wilde? No, that's uh, Milan Kundera. Okay. Yeah. So, that was in school. I didn't, like, I purposefully did not read it, and but one of the the English teachers like, hey, you got to read this. You you got to make a book report. And then I didn't read it, and then I didn't have a book report. She's like, okay, I'm not failing you, but you're gonna have to read this, and then you're gonna have to give me that book report. So like, I was on the spot. She made me go to the class like, a, like after hours, to to do this presentation. So I'm like, okay, I guess I gotta do something now. So I, I didn't read the book, but I read the 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 summary. The summary. And I'm like, oh, this this is fun, man. I didn't know like books that are given to like it seemed interesting to you when yeah, you read the summary. Yeah. So the it was like you know it was about like infidelity and some. I'm like, I didn't know you could read this in high school. So that was the the book that made me love reading again. Like the I don't know why I stopped reading the Goosebumps books, but after that I'm like, oh, I'll read all the time. And I got into writing because I started acting. And they're like, well, if you don't write, then you're not going to get booked or whatever. I'm like, so that's how I got into writing. Oh. So, I'm, like, to Wait, me. So, they, they encourage actors to write? Yeah. Well, the, the, the school I went to, they did because they said that the people that are getting the most work are the people that make their own work. It's like S- Sylvester Stallone who yes. writes Rocky and then he gets to act in it. Exactly. Some, something along those lines. So, because it's a. It's a Especially that business is very like power sort of deal, so that's how I'm like I got into writing. I started writing like scripts, and then eventually I, I, I someone let like they're like, "Oh, you should do stand up." So I started doing stand up, and and st- stand up is very writing driven, right? But to me, it's interesting. Like, I got into writing when I was like 26 or 27. You got into writing since you're seven, so. It's it was what I always wanted to do, and I think it's what I was always just naturally good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wanted to be an artist since I was a little kid. You know, I always felt like anything else wouldn't wouldn't be right. Yeah, so it's caused me a lot of pain. <laughs> 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 but yeah, ever since I was little, I always wanted to write, be that's, a that's novelist awesome, or a script writer. Or so. have, have you ever written a novel? I have. Yeah. Yeah. What what. What what kind of novels have you written? Um, let's see. I know when I was a kid, I wrote some. It's kind of hard to remember what they. I wrote. Um, <laughs> I wrote this when I was a really drunk, depressed twenty-five year old. I mm-hmm. wrote this 
It, not Vela, really. It's probably like 85 pages. About yeah. Just about a guy who's fat and depressed and tries to lose weight. Okay. Were you fat and depressed at the time? Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 funny. Uh, that's cool, man. And then uh, I know I wrote some other novels when I was a kid, but the main thing that I wrote was in college. The second time I went to college when I was about 32 mm-hmm. for my senior thesis, I wrote... A short novel. It's like 150 pages, mm-hmm. just about me doing stand-up in Fresno. Okay, that's cool. Did do you still have that? I still have it. Yeah, actually, I gave it to Sam Talent. I did. Um, what? You know how he has his. Yeah, yeah. I love that book. By the I way, I got to open for him in Idaho. What? And this was before his book came out. Okay. So I got to open for him for the weekend. So we were talking and everything. So you, when we were talking about Sam Talent the other day, you actually know the guy. No, not I wouldn't say know him. Well, I don't know if he'd recognize him. me, but you yeah, I've I've seen him a few times. But we uh, we exchanged the books because he was telling me I wrote a book about stand up. I'm trying to get it published, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's cool. I did the same thing. So he's like, yeah, email it to me. I'll email you mine. And so it's cool. Yeah, I have the email from him with that's the, awesome with this book. Yeah. How long ago was this? This would have been. It was before the pandemic. It must have been 2019. Okay. Dude, that's awesome. 2019 or 2018, yeah. Okay. Um, it Was that the last book you wrote, or do you still... It was, but I wrote... Uh, I started a few more. Mm-hmm. I started a few more. Um, I'm thinking about... I, I don't know. That It's kind of weird, because... Uh, have you... Did you read Rick Rubin's book? I. It's one of those that I have in my to-do list, but I haven't read it yet. He has this thing in there where he talks about how if you're a perfectionist, at some point you do just kind of have to force yourself to say that's the end and it's done. Yeah. Because actually, if you try to come back to something two years later, yeah, you're not the same person mm-hmm. who wrote it. And so sometimes I think that because sometimes I think like, man, I should go back and there's all this crap in that book that I don't like anymore that I yeah. wish was different. But it's I wrote it back then. It's kind of a snapshot of who I was then. Yeah. If I go back and change something now. It's going to be very it's, different. It's like it ruins it. It's like you go back and Photoshop an old picture. It's not yeah. the, It's not the same anymore. Yeah. Do you? Cons- uh, are you a perfectionist? I can be. I'm a perfectionist, but I'm also a quitter. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I'll get so frustrated with the perfectionism. I'm like, fuck it. It's done. I'm never yeah. looking at it again. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll get very upset and then yeah just say it's done but i feel like that's a good way to stop though because eventually you have you, to you, stop you, if not you're not you're never gonna, gonna work do on it until you die yeah yeah and it never gets released and i feel like especially from someone as talented as you are those things need to be out there that's a cool thing about stand-up though because i even have there's even jokes i wrote right when i started stand-up mm-hmm. and even to this day i'll look back at them and be like oh no it should be like this and you can change it yeah and it doesn't really feel the same like you're yeah screwing up the past or anything yeah because well I, I feel like jokes are a different breed right yeah yeah the the point of the joke is to make it funny and yeah and to make it funny now yeah and if it's because I have things that they used to work when I started. Oh, it happens all the time. And I Sometimes try- a joke only worked for like two months. Yeah. And then it never works again. Yeah. It was only funny for that two months for some reason. Uh, and it's, and it, that's the shitty part, right? Because it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to bring this back and see it because it was, it was good. And now maybe make it apply to what, what I'm now. Yeah. And 
it doesn't work or I haven't figured it out yet or whatever. So the, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way, right? So I feel like that is a huge contrast compared to like a like a novel. It's like, well, that's that's who I was then, and that's that. It's gonna stay that way because it's it's a representation of that era. Right. That that's that's pretty cool, right? I I feel like there's more. Um, what would you feel about? Let's say you have a favorite stand-up and he has a great album from ten years mm-hmm. ago, and if you saw him on tour and he did one of the jokes from that album but had completely changed it, would you think that was cool or would you be like, oh, you should have left it. You already recorded it. I think it's cool because he has the recording and then he brought his new take to it. Right? Yeah, changed it. Yeah, because you can still do that. I feel like as long as it's funny, still. Right. There's you can bring new life to it no matter what, and it's it's kind of like a kind of like a different angle to it, right? Right. So that's interesting. So I think that would be cool. Yeah, imagine if we could have had. Like if Bill Hicks was still alive today oh, and he did Sane Man Part 2 yeah. and he just did all the same bits but with the what he thinks about them now. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, man. it's like a true sequel yeah. where he does all the same ones again. Because have, have, do you, like, I'll give you an example. Like I listen to either albums or specials over and over again and sometimes if you go back to back to the different ones from the same comedian, you'll kind of see like a through line through their bits like they might be the same talk at, at topic but it's a different angle some of them even throw in the same bits yeah i know dennis miller i was watching all his specials yeah he has bits that are in like four of his specials yeah usually it's not something really long yeah but he'll have like some one-liners that he still yeah, are yeah, in he, all of them <laughs> so, so in a way i feel like that's the same case yeah, right yeah. so it's it's kind of cool to see that because like oh it's the same thing did you like dennis miller I never really paid attention. I know he was Weekend Update, and so I know him from that, and I I, I liked him when he was doing that, but I never really saw a stand. I love Dennis Miller. Yeah, I feel like I'm very influenced by Dennis Miller, but really? I also feel like I'm okay. I'm the only person who, I've never met anyone who likes him. Yeah, <laughs> I I think he's great, and then he started doing his political thing. Which yeah, he was funnier before for sure. Yeah, but. I think he's still funny. It's just now he's just very political minded, which mm-hmm. he all, I think he always was, but now he's like very into politics. And he, yeah. So I think it's different. Seems almost more politics than comedy a lot yeah. of times now. Yeah. But I remember when when he was on in, on SNL, like I I loved what he was doing. He has an old special. I think it's from 1990 or mm-hmm. something in black and white. Okay. I think it might even be called black and white. Okay. On YouTube amazing yeah so good okay i I, I gotta see that because i'm 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 always curious about what your influences are i get i get um when i feel like i'm being too much like him Mm -hmm. i really try to pull back yeah because i feel like he's he's the very dark and ugly side of myself okay he's very smart pretentious and condescending just a dick he's almost kind of like um anthony jeselnik or daniel tosh before them Okay, but his whole thing is that he's really smart and he does these really esoteric references and no one knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and really detailed descriptions of big words and stuff. And I love doing stuff like that. Yeah, but I almost never find the audience that's okay with it. Oh, but I feel like when I see you do your stuff, 
it seems smart, but it never feels like you're trying to make people seem dumb. Well, I have to try hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of editing that goes into okay. making it seem okay. less douchey. <laughs> when I first write it, it will seem very condescending. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'll, I, I get that. All right. Do, do you edit your stuff a lot? Uh, yeah, I do. Definitely. Yeah? Okay. So, okay. Cause I feel like... Um, Especially if you anybody ever has a lot of problems with writer's block. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to get over writer's block, especially for stand-up, mm-hmm. just start writing out your bits. Okay. If you just start rewriting out your bits, writing them back out, typing mm-hmm. them out, you'll have ideas. Okay. You'll be like, no, not that. I need to change that. Or like, yeah. oh, this could happen in it. Yeah. I feel like that's so much better than just starting with the blank page. Yeah. Just write those out until you have like two pages filled with your bits. Yeah. And then you're going, your brain's going. But okay. it's when you're really just staring at the blank page where you're like, shit, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 if, if I, I have a, for me that this works when I have, when I'm looking at a blank page and I don't know, I just start, I don't know what to write about. And I, and yeah. that's how I get my juices flowing. But I like your idea of like, oh, just go to an old bit and edit it. Cause you'll, You'll want to change something. Yeah, yeah. There's something that you can edit, and you can make it better. So, uh, that that's a. That, or that's usually, something. I'll even just have, I'll have new ideas from it that are just a completely different bit. Okay. But it's just from looking at it, it'll be like, well, what if this happened or that happened? And then I'll be, you know, five things have happened later, and I'm like, this is actually just a different bit. But I got the idea from it for huh. by looking at the old thing, you know. Okay. That's interesting. Because you kind of see, especially if it's bits that work, you see where your brain goes and how it works when it's being funny. Mm-hmm. But whereas usually when I'm sitting down to write, there's nothing funny about it. It's okay. just, it's the morning. There's no one around. It's yeah. not fun. Yeah. But if you see like the the kind of place your brain is in when it's mm-hmm. being funny, you know? Okay. Man. Okay. that That's really interesting. All right. I, I never thought about it that way. So I, I like, I like talking to different people about the way they write as well. Cause Everybody writes in a different way, and, and some things that you do might spark something, and that I could like apply to what I do, and and then that that gives me like a new perspective or something new that I'd never really thought of, which would might change the whole thing, right? So I that's very interesting. Yeah, I try. I think. Well, like I said, I started writing when I was seven. I always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I started stand up, I was unemployed. Okay. And so I would spend about seven or eight hours before the mics writing. Whoa. Just, but there's it, nothing funny. I was just really paranoid and just stressing <laughs> out about it. And so I think most of the time I've been doing stand-up, it's been trying to learn how to write. Not necessarily write less, but to just take the writing less seriously. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times I do the worst when I'm like, okay, I've been writing for four hours. I have all this shit. I need to say it all. If I don't yeah. say it all on stage, I'm going to lose my mind. When usually... You should just say the points, but not try and memorize a giant monologue. You know, it's yeah, gonna, it's gonna piss people off. Yeah, so I, I have, <laughs> I that's when I do my worst too. Not not because I've been writing four hours. That I I have. I don't think I've ever spent four hours writing in one day. But when I'm trying to s- say everything exactly the same exactly as the, I wrote yeah, it yeah. out, and that and that's when I get messed up the most. So. When I when that happens to me, I'm just like I'm just gonna get up there and talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so you said so you started when you started stand up. You were unemployed. So when 
you said a buddy of yours told you that you should do stand up. What uh what was your first impression of like an open mic? Um okay, so the first day when I uh, convinced myself I was going to do stand up, I actually went downtown uh to a show mm-hmm. in Fresno. Uh, I don't know if I thought it was a mic or I just thought I would meet other comics there or what I was yeah. thinking, but I went to the show. And it was fun. The guys were funny. I even got made fun of by one of the comics on stage. Yeah. But then I found one of the comics after him was like, hey, man, I want to go up. Where do I need to go? And he's like, oh, yeah, there's an open mic. Just go drive over to this bar right now. Okay. And then, so I went and did it, yeah. Did you have anything prepared? I did, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I had tons of stuff. Man, it was brutal. It was <laughs> so bad. So absolute black hole of sound. Really? So dead silent, yeah. And uh, I even do this sometimes now, which uh, I feel bad about. It's something I shouldn't do. But especially when I started, I would tap out so fast. Really? I would just talk for 45 seconds or so and be like, all right, I'm done. I've never seen you do that. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just did it the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if if it's a five minute set and it's like sucking ass so horribly and it's I'll be two minutes in and be like, fuck this. I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) But I should stick it out, you know. Yeah. Eventually, we'll be having 45-minute gigs that suck yeah, ass, man. and we can't just and tap you out. you can't tap out. you got to <laughs> stay 45 minutes in at, a, at the very least, dude. So that that's okay. I've That's interesting because I've never seen you tap out, so it's 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 nice to, nice to be like, oh, man, even you do that. Okay. Um, so what did your parents think when about when you were doing comedy, dude? Did did you tell them or or did you just keep it a secret for a while? No, no, I told them. They yeah. thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. They seemed happy about it. Yeah, yeah. My mom, especially after I had been doing it for a few years, she said it really changed me, made really? me into a better person, okay. a much better person. She said you're just like completely different person since doing that. I feel like. I feel like stand up is one like like always a betterment of yourself in a way. Absolutely. So that. I could definitely see how that changed you as a person and how she would see that. Help me with my people skills too. Yeah. Especially help me make friends in Fresno because I didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Basically just work and come home and drink yeah. and just. Yeah, that's not healthy at all. Be sour, <laughs> yeah, and upset all the time. Yeah. Where, how, how often were you doing it in Fresno? It depends because sometimes we would have four mics a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'd only have one mic a week. Okay. We could go drive to Bakersfield or Stockton or something to get a mic in, but it's like an hour and a half or hour long drive. Yeah, that's a lot sometimes. So I would say on average we would do it about three times a week, depending. Okay. But usually the open mics don't last long there. Yeah. They'll, they'll just be shut down pretty quickly. Okay. Oh, so they shut them down or, or the the people running them The quit? business owner will be like, uh, we don't want this anymore, you know. Yeah. I, I feel like we were talking about this yeah, the other day. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Stand up is not conducive to good business. <laughs> Absolutely not. <No. laughs> okay. How long did were you in Fresno for? Did it for three years there. Three years? Okay. And from there, where where did you move to next? I moved to Montana to finish school. Okay. So I was in Montana for two years and I didn't do stand up. Oh, you didn't do it at all? Okay. So okay. You and I have that in common. So I, I did it for like a year and a half and then I stopped for a while. How how long did you stop for? Two years. Two years? Okay. And what was it because there was no comedy in Montana? Yeah, I moved to a town of about a thousand people in Montana. Okay. 
Oh man, that's what what was the town name? It was called Dillon, Montana. Dillon, Montana. How, how was how was living in Montana? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. But I I was definitely depressed about not doing stand up. Okay. I could tell. That was uh I knew I had to leave and just start doing stand up again because it just didn't didn't feel right, you know. What made you go to Montana? I applied for schools late. Okay. Very late. The only schools left accepting were in Montana and Alaska. As and that's where you where you did the English, right? Yeah, that's where I finished my English okay. in Montana. Okay. And then I wrote it about stand up so you could tell I was still thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, but that's cool though. So it was always something that something that was always present in your mind. Yeah. Okay. And and luckily before I left too cuz I wasn't sure if I'd ever do stand up again. Mm-hmm. Cuz I wanted to be an English professor. Yeah. Uh I got to record something at uh my friends had this bar. It used to be a bar that we would do stand-up at, mm-hmm. but then eventually about six of my friends got together and bought it and turned yeah. it into this video game bar. Okay. And then that was the main place where I would do shows and do stand-up. And they had a really professional, nice um, setup to record. Yeah. So they recorded all my sets I ever did there, and then so I made a little mixtape of stand-up. Oh, shit. So I got to finish that before I moved, so at least I had that where I was like, okay. That's Even if I cool. never do stand-up again, I got this record of it, you know. That's awesome, man. How how long is it? It's about 30 minutes. Oh, wow. and it's all different bits? Yep. Wow. Do you use that to, like, submit to stuff? or? Um... I haven't really in a long no. time. No, but yeah, do I still have it. It's still on Bandcamp. People you, can listen to when it. you when you is it when you listen to that? Are you like ah man, this is horrible, or or, uh, or do you appreciate what you were doing? No, I think I was better. I think it was much better. Actually. Really? Yeah. Three okay. years in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So how long were you in Montana? Two years, you said. Two years. Two, yeah. Okay. What? Where did you go after that? And then I moved to Boise, Idaho. Okay. Before we moved to Idaho, what was your favorite part about Montana? Wow. Probably uh, doing drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taking acid and walking around. Okay. In a really small town. That's uh, that is such a beautiful thing. Just being able to walk from the dorm. Like I could, uh, I could get high, and I could walk to the gym, and then I could walk to the movie theater, mm-hmm. and I could walk and get a cup of coffee and walk yeah. back, or just walk back into the woods and just having everything there and walking distance and it all being so safe and nice. That's is awesome. Amazing. Compared to trying to do drugs in like downtown Fresno. Oh, I, mean. <laughs> I, I can see how that can get pretty dangerous real quick. So also the people. Yeah. Actually, you know, my favorite was probably playing Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. With the other kids that w- the custodian at the college was a former student there. Mm-hmm. And he had this like decades long D and D game going on. Okay. And when new students would come in and join. Okay. And so, yeah, I joined that. We would go play it at his house. It was that's, so fun. That's really cool. Yeah, we have like 11 people there. Do you still play D&D? I haven't played in a long time. I'd love to, though. It, it was amazing. That was really fun. I've always thought about playing it, but it seems like one of those things where you just, if you, 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 immerse, yourse- you immerse yourself too much into it. So I find... It'll take up too much time. And yeah. I, 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 I want to do those things, but I'm afraid of getting into them because then I'll, I'll, it'll pull away from my focus because... I mean, yeah, it could. It'll take like two and a half hours a week. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you just do it once a week for fun, that sounds like a yeah. Get together with the guys and yeah. No, it's amazing, man. It's so fun, especially if you play with people who really get into it. Yeah. Get into the character because that's what I like to do. 
Yeah. I like to come up with the characters, and I, I'm not making decisions. It's what the character would okay. do. Okay. A lot of times I would screw us over, and people would get upset. <laughs> that's what the character would do. But. That's my dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, I've never... I I kind of played it one time, and it wasn't really... We were it, we were in math class, and I don't know why. Like, they, the math class we were in, they would sit us in, like, a circle. And I don't know why we got into it. But we were kind of like simulating a D and D game. It was, it was like a imitation of it, but it wasn't fully it because mm-hmm. we weren't following like the exact rules or anything. But we were all creating characters, and I thought that was so fun. Cool, yeah. But I never, after that, I never did it again. So, but I, I could see how that could be such a like, like you can like make a party out of that shit, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got to find the right dungeon master and mm. the right group of people. If you do it with the wrong group of people, it won't be so fun. But yeah. someday, I would love to play again. It seems super fun. Yeah, man. Or to even, if I ever have a family, to play with my kids and wife. Yeah. it would be amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a fun activity like with the, the entire family, dude. Because I don't think there's anything that would make you bond more than like just be like using your imagination imagination with your, your entire kids right so entire group of kids so i don't know that seems like a great idea yeah i know it's really fun so that was uh was that and that was in montana the D&D, that, that right? was in montana okay yeah. so then you moved to idaho what boise you said yeah boise idaho how long were you there for i was there for three i think i was there for three years okay. about three years maybe a little longer i was there for uh, the beginning of the pandemic as well. Okay. So that was kind of one year that didn't really, almost seemed like it didn't even happen sometimes. Yeah. You know? What What made you move to Mo- uh, Boise? My buddy, Derek, he lives here now, mm-hmm. but uh, we started stand up in Fresno okay. around the same time. And he moved there with his girlfriend. Okay. And then he moved out of his girlfriend's apartment. So I moved in with his girlfriend. Okay. All right. So what uh what was that like was it was it a big shock going from a place with a thousand people how many people live in boise um i think the population is about 250 or 300,000 okay. so okay. yeah it's about the same as fresno okay not that different um yeah and, and the stand up was about similar to fresno mm-hmm. but it, but the cool thing was that boise actually had a club okay fresno doesn't have a comedy club okay What's the name of the club in Boise? It was Liquid Laughs. It went out of business during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So how many like mics a week would you be able to do in, fr- in Boise? In Boise, about four or five. Well, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay. And were you doing all four or five? I was at times. There was other times when I get discouraged and stop, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of start and stop there. Okay. And what... What 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 was like? What were you doing? What was your job there when you were in fr- in Boise? So at first, well, actually, the first job I did there was this place called Caption Call. Have you ever heard of them? No. It's a really weird job. It's where, um, there's someone talking mm-hmm. to someone who's deaf. Okay. And they talk, and we hear it. We're listening to the conversations. And you're writing it out? No, you say it. What You say exactly what they're saying back into, like, more clearly so the computer can type it out. Okay. For the deaf person to read. But there's all these different... You learn all these different phrases that a person, the computer can't understand. So okay. the computer can't understand, uh-huh. So when someone says, uh-huh, you have to say, uh hup 
And so there's all these little things like that you have to memorize. Okay. So that you can say what the person is saying in a way the computer can understand to type it for the deaf person to read. It was a horrible job. <laughs> you would just listen to conversations and just parrot back everything the person was saying for like yeah. eight hours straight. Wow. Okay. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I could see how that's exhausting. And you, you were doing that for eight hours a day? About. Yeah. I mean, you get lunch and stuff. Oof. So I did that for a little while. Then I sold cars used car salesman okay. only for about five months how, how was selling used cars like i hated it yeah yeah i couldn't stand it Just did you feel like a used car salesman i did yeah, yeah. sleazy used car salesman. <laughs> oh yeah we'd have to go through our leads call like 100 people a day yeah hound people if they come onto the lot yeah. them to buy something it was it sucks i i hate it i don't like stuff like that yeah i don't even want to talk to people so talking to them with a motive that's <laughs> hell on earth so what made you stay for five months? Um, just the money, just making yeah. money. But uh, it, it was pretty cool. Eventually, I made enough money to buy a car, and I got a good discount from them. Okay. Uh, oh, so right when I started working with them, mm -hmm. my car broke down. Oh, shit, okay. So I was just riding my bike to the car dealership. Did you what, Did you live far away? Not too bad. No, I could ride my bike there in about 15 minutes. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, I made enough money to buy a car. And I got a good deal because from the dealership. Okay. And then I just started doing DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff. Okay. And then that's what I did the rest of the time I was there in Idaho. Did you do you enjoy being in a car? I do. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, I really like that. Even some day, sometimes if I'm having a bad day, I'll just go do Uber Eats. Really? That makes me feel way better if I just in the car by myself, listening to music or an audio book or something. Yeah. Do that for three or four hours and just drive around the city. That makes me feel so much better than if I just sat at home watching wrestling or something. Yeah. <laughs> you get out of the house, you're making some money. Yeah. You know, little mild interactions with people. Yeah. And to, uh, I love it. Yeah. You, uh, I'll get back into this, but you said re when you say you watch wrestling, are you watching like collegiate res wrestling? No, or, or like professional, professional wrestling. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the reason I did wrestling in high school is my dad told me I had to pick a sport. Mm hmm. And then that was right when I really got into pro wrestling. Okay. And I read Mick Foley's book. Yeah. And he said, if you want to be a pro wrestler, you have to wrestle in high school all four years yeah. first. And if you're tough enough to do that, then you could be a pro wrestler. So then that's why I wrestled four years in Did high you want to be a pro wrestler? I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Really? Yeah, that was my goal. I, I kind of see that in your acts in, in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, I kind of see that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to start... Uh, me and my and Alex are gonna we're starting to do sketches. Okay. And I wanted to be one of our sketches to be someone who's a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. Who have you know seen this thing where like YouTubers get into fights with other YouTubers yeah. and they're yeah. talking crap yeah, on each yeah, other? Yeah. And maybe they even get together and fight in real life eventually. Yeah. I wanted to be a YouTuber who's always starting fights with other YouTubers. Okay. But it'll be an excuse for me to just <laughs> do wrestling <laughs> promos. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that like an SNL way. You know? Okay. Okay. But no, I love that. And I always get inspired whenever I watch wrestling and see a really good promo. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, I got to put that in the act. Just the way people say stuff, the yeah. way their uh, their stage presence, their yeah. confidence, the way they capture the crowd, you know, by getting louder, getting softer. And yeah, all that stuff, is, I think it's very inspirational for stand-up. It's very amazing the way you, when you're a kid, you don't even think about that stuff. But when... Especially now doing stand-up, you look at them. Their like, public dude, speaking skills. Yeah, dude, these guys are fucking crushing it. And you, it never even occurred to me that that's what they were doing. Right. right. So, oh, man, this. 
Okay. I, I'm just sidetracked by the wrestling. Who was your favorite wrestler? When I was growing up, my favorite was probably Chris Benoit. Okay. Oh, dude, that's a very like deep cut. I'm not. I've never heard anybody say that. Okay. <laughs> I even remember I was making a Chris Benoit music video. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my dad came and he's like, "That's your guy, isn't it? I know that's your favorite." And I was like, "Yeah, he is." But this is way before he did the things he did. Okay. But yeah. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with him. Obsessed. That's awesome, man. So my my favorite was Stone Cold. I was like the just like the oh this is the oh, what everybody I love likes Stone Cold too of course this is what everybody yeah. likes so and that's what I like so what I don't know but he's he was awesome to me and uh, I also liked uh, the the Undertaker in a way but it, maybe it was a little too dark for me back then but I I always really appreciated his thing and uh, another one that I really liked was Bret Hart for some reason oh I love Bret Hart yeah yeah when my I uh, used to go to this. Um, he had a little mini golf, like mm-hmm. tiny amusement park yeah. by our, our house called Castle Park. Yeah. And they had the, I think, 1993 or 1994 WWF Royal Rumble game mm-hmm. where you could be Shawn Michaels and okay. Doink and Bam Bam and Bret Hart. But it was yeah. signed by Bret Hart. Okay. So I remember I used to always go there and I was like, oh, man, Bret Hart was here. He signed us. Damn, <laughs> dude. That's pretty cool. You know, I when I first got into wrestling, my favorite one was Hulk Hogan. Did you... Did you? Uh, how old were you when you got into wrestling? So when I was really young, uh, I watched wrestling very briefly, and it was in the era where there was Shawn Michaels, Yokozuna, and Lex mm-hmm. Luger. Yeah, I remember I hated Lex Luger. Yeah, I wanted Yokozuna to win, and I was really mad that everyone hated Yokozuna because you know, <laughs> he's Japanese. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I watched it for a f- couple weeks, and I was like, man, wrestling sucks. Yeah, everyone who watches it, inbred hick, they're stupid. <laughs> it's fake. I hate yeah. it. And then when I was about 14, my cousin who I always looked up to and thought was really cool, yeah. he told me, he's like, you got to watch it again. It's better now. You know, the stories are really interesting. Cool. doesn't matter if it's fake. Like, just watch yeah. it. The stories are really interesting. And then, so yeah, I saw Mick Foley cut a promo on Triple H. Mm-hmm. I think it was on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Smackdown or like the day before or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was in. Yeah. Every rest of my life. So you still you still watch wrestling? I do, but I, d- I only watch WWF for like a year okay and then i i really started to like other stuff i like like japanese wrestling mexican mm-hmm. wrestling british wrestling and okay uh, independent wrestling and others st- i don't like wwf at all okay that's pretty interesting man so which which one is your favorite what what kind of what league i don't know how to call them what J- japanese wrestling is probably my favorite new japan yeah. pro wrestling and then AEW. i like AEW a lot okay for a while when i lived in southern california we had the biggest independent wrestling company in Southern California is called PWG. Okay. And so for a while, I went to about 30 of their shows in a row. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, like a lot of the guys from there uh, started a Mm -hmm. company called AEW, which is like the second biggest company, kind of like WCW now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's cool because all those guys on there, I used to see them just in a tiny room that could only fit about 200 people, see them every month and... So AEW always have a close place in my heart because of PWG and that. Damn, man. Do uh man, that's that's so interesting. I, I wouldn't I if you didn't tell me right now that you're such a big wrestling fan, I would have never thought about it. And now that you mention it, I'm like, oh, I definitely see it a part <laughs> of it in your act, and it never would have occurred to me for some reason. Yeah, when my life gets really dark, man, I'll, I'll watch wrestling like ten hours a day. Damn, man. And then maybe 
12 hours of listening to podcasts about it. <laughs> <laughs> did did you ever watch Prime? Like, you know, the Japanese, like, MMA sort of deal? Oh, Pride, yeah. Pr- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Because I, I, I've never watched it, but I've heard a lot of stories, yeah. and I've read about stories about it, and I know that a lot of the Japanese wrestlers would get into that and, yeah. like, like, fight for real. Yeah, yeah. So that, to me, was always interesting, like, because wrestling is is real in the in the damage part. It's fake in the, in who wins and and who, like the story, but the actual like interactions of ev- like everything that's happening. Like these people are getting hit. They're um, back breaking their backs and shit like that. So for someone to just go to that and then go into the, like real fighting, that's very interesting to me. Did you see? Have you seen the Fry and Takayama fight? No, man. That's uh, it's like the most famous Pride fight ever. But it's a pro wrestler, uh, Takayama versus Don Fry. It's it's the most brutal fight ever. It's the one they just come out and grab each other by the neck and punch each other in the face for like ten minutes straight. Ooh. It's it's a, yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the greatest fights ever. Cause and, and wrestlers, they can withstand. The, so it makes sense that McFoley said like, oh, if you can take the pain from like regular like res- wrestling and and what was it that he said like wrestle four years in high school and if you can take that pain then then you might be ready to be a, a wrestler yeah th- th- those guys i think those are like the the hardest people in any sport because just of the pain they endure right so that is to me that's really interesting and, and man i i know so I I was big into jujitsu. So the the reason I know about Pride is because a lot of jujitsu guys ended up going into Pride. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I, do you know who? Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. The Gracie guy, uh, Hickson Gracie. Yeah. So he he fought in Pride a little bit, and I I think he fought against that guy uh, Tokiyama. Sakuraba. Sakuraba. I, I I honestly don't remember, dude. I'm gonna butcher stuff, but I know that he fought a lot of wrestlers that were got into Pride just yeah. just to like create the spectacle. There was a so in Japan, the reason they had so many pro wrestlers in Japan in Pride mm-hmm. is because around. I don't even remember. I think it was late 80s. Uh, in Japan, they kind of had an identity crisis with wrestling mm-hmm. where a lot of top wrestlers from the pro wrestling companies yeah. left and they formed their own wrestling companies that oh, were okay. called shoot-style wrestling. Okay. And so they were basically saying, our wrestling is real. The old New Japan and Old Japan, they're fake. Okay. It would be like if, uh, I don't know, if Hulk Hogan left... WWF and started his own company and said, we're real, they're fake. Okay. And so, but theirs wasn't real. It was still fake, but it looked a lot more like jujitsu and MMA. And then that's when Pride got really popular after. So these guys had basically talked all this crap and said, we're real, they're fake. And at this point, they kind of had to prove it and go fight. And most of the time, the pro wrestlers would get the shit kicked out. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Also, too, what sucked is the owner of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Inoki, he was obsessed. He actually fought Muhammad Ali in a real fight. What? Because he was always obsessed with making people really believe wrestling is real. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, people kind of believed it more than in America because their wrestling is more realistic. Yeah. But he did a lot of stupid stuff in the early 2000s where, like, he would take his new youngest star heavyweight champion and make him go fight Crow Cop or something. And then he'd get knocked out in like 20 seconds. And so they did a lot of damage to their business by making those guys fight real fights. They never should. It was stupid. 
And I think, yeah, the fact that they would lose, right? And then, but they would smack talk all these people. That then they'd would be just, way less popular. Cause yeah. People are, well, you just got his ass kicked, you know? Yeah. Okay. Damn, dude. Yeah, that that's very interesting to me. Nowadays, it's not so much like that. People are less about whether it's real or not. And, yeah. And uh, now, actually, it's the opposite. Lots of MMA fighters retire and become pro wrestlers now. Yeah. This is a way they can still make money even yeah. if they're not in their athletic prime to fight legit they, anymore. Yeah, because they, they can still, like, kind of keep up and they're not because th- there is a big difference in terms of damage when it when you compare those two because a lot of uh, most of the mma fighters who go into wrestling they say the wrestling they get injured way more really well i guess they're the way they practice and stuff like especially that. too if you're only having two or three real fights a year and people you know know how to kind of take it easy on you in the mm-hmm. gym yeah. but when they're out there in front of the crowd wrestling i mean and that's shit's that's gonna a grind, happen you're gonna dude. get hurt yeah because they're doing how many shows I, I, uh, wrestlers used to do an insane amount of shows yeah like 300 shows a yeah, year that's ridiculous but actually the modern wrestlers they wrestle a lot less yeah uh, like in aew a lot of their top guys they'll wrestle 20 times a year okay yeah, uh, so it's still a lot but it's still com- a lot but compared it's not that, yeah to, yeah okay not that bad man I didn't know this wrestling side of you. That's interesting. So, all right, let's go back to, so driving Uber Eats calms you? Like, really? I love it, yeah. It could definitely get stressful and piss you off, especially if you do it the wrong time in Austin. I mean. Yeah, traffic can be it. Yeah, if you try to fuck around downtown at the wrong time, that's. You never want to take an order on Rainy Street. Oh, that's no. There's that, nowhere to park. You'll have horrible. to park somewhere illegally and then run over. And so, yeah, if you don't know the lay of the land, it could be really stressful. Yeah. But if, you know, I try to, I, I kind of hang out around here more, actually. I'll go yeah. over to, like, uh, South Park Meadows and stuff. And okay. I know the places where it's chill. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just if I'm just there at the right time when it's not too busy or crazy, it's very, yeah, very relaxing. I love it. What, what are, like, the better times to do it? Actually, on the let's see the best times are probably like friday 8 p.m to 4 a.m okay you do that saturday saturday yeah lately the afternoons haven't been great so yes like saturday 6 p.m to 2 p.m 2 a.m damn dude that's a long time i know i usually don't go for eight hours straight i used to that's just like in idaho i used to do it for like 14 hours straight sometimes wow man but i was uh i was on a lot of adderall okay and also well during the pandemic especially i was in an apartment with my girlfriend Mm -hmm. and my buddy derek Mm -hmm. and they both lost their jobs as soon as the pandemic started because they were doing like service jobs yeah Uh, but i still had my job because i was delivering and so my rent just they didn't have any money to make rent my rent was threefold three times more and so yeah i would drive you know 80 hours a week to pay the rent damn dude But there is something about, so I'm not a big, I've grown to love driving in some ways, but I, I tried to do Uber for like, I, I think it was like two weeks. And after that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. What was, what are the things that pissed you off about it? The fact, like I enjoyed the little like short rides when it was somewhere that I'm like, I got to go like 40 to 50 miles to drop somebody off which is where you get the most money. Right. But then you're stuck somewhere else and then now you got to find somewhere to, someone to either to make it uh use to make it like worth your time either get a ride back to You have to know the map pretty well. Yeah. I know the guys who are really good at it in town. Some comics are really good at it. They yeah. can make like you know 800 bucks in a weekend. Well, that's not bad. Because they, they're really good at it, but they know the map so well. They mm-hmm. know, like, I'm not going there. I won't go there. I'm only yeah. staying in this little spot. But I I feel like 
I don't have time because especially if you're driving and it yeah. pops up and it's like you have 10 seconds to accept this. Yeah. I don't have time to look and see like yeah. where is it taking me? How much is it when I'm coming? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's 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 the part that I was like, man, I don't I, I don't there's no point in where I can just decide, hey, I want to take this ride or not. Yeah. I'm Since gr- you're flying down the freeway, yeah. you don't have time to like really yeah. look at it. So, figure yeah. it so out. it's just like either accept or, or don't accept. And yeah. I was like, well, I'm trying to make money. So just take it and then yeah. suddenly I'm like because you want to stay busy yeah suddenly I'm in like God knows where and now I've got to figure something out w- when I was doing it to make a living it sucked now that I I have a job and I just do it to make extra money now mm. I love it okay and I can stop whenever I want I don't really yeah. I rarely need the money mm. but it's just you know a little extra money yeah extra money and especially if you get like if you actually have fun doing it then why not there's times where i do get frustrated i'm like you know fuck this i'm done yeah <laughs> but, but exactly you can just stop when, when yeah when, when that point gets there i do have a problem though it, this used to be a big problem for me where i would i i would get especially in boise i'd get paranoid and i wouldn't be able to stop mm. so i would have told myself all right i'm gonna do it for eight hours then i'm gonna go home spend some time with my girlfriend mm. But then when eight hours came, I'll be like, oh, no, I'm on a hot streak. I can't stop. Or I'm like, yeah. I know as soon as I stop, then I'm going to get a really good order. So I'm like, I'll just do another hour. And then and that wow. hour comes, I'm like, I, can't, I, I know I'm supposed to stop, but I know I'm going to get the best order if I just keep oh, going. So it's almost like a gambling addiction. Yeah, yeah. They kind of lay it out that way, too, where it's like the cool colors pops up or like you get a tip and it has a little, you got yeah. a tip. And it's, it's kind of addictive in that way, almost like video poker or something. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I didn't even look at it that way. That's crazy. So, especially when they have the bonuses, like sometimes yeah. say you got to take fifty rides in the weekend yeah. and you'll get this bonus. Yeah. That's gonna be like, God, no. that's that's the part that got me in <laughs> yeah. the first place. I'm like, oh, you can get this bonus. I'm like, okay, well, if I do just these million different little rides, I can that get are this like two dollars each. Yeah, that's fine, but <laughs> I'll get this amount of money. That's what got but me. But then you're forty-seven rides in, and and then you don't get any more orders uh, for five hours. You're uh, screwed. Dude, yeah, no, that was. That's and the other part is like I don't know how you do this, but I felt uncomfortable like putting my stuff like whether it was a podcast or my music right while someone else was in the car. When people are in the car, I just always try to play something very unoffensive that anyone could be yeah. fine with, you know. So like play some Japanese pop music or seventies rock music. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't play. Well, all the music i listen to really yeah. i'll try to play something pleasant play yeah. fleet foxes or something but i i felt more uncomfortable having it dead silent yeah i'd like to have a little music on but quiet you okay know? so see that's the other part like i had a dead silent because i didn't know what the hell to put on would you talk to people a lot if they talked to me i would I, I tried not to be that guy that's like oh bugging them yeah just con- like like you know they're looking out the window trying not to deal with anybody i would rather talk to the person yeah i think it passes the time way more yeah makes it more interesting yeah but if i could tell they don't want to talk then i won't talk yeah but i mostly do orders Mm. so now you don't even deal with anything i hardly ever pick up people so so that's 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 very different yeah so see and that's something i do enjoy about driving like i can just listen to something yeah listen the whole time and not only you want to knock out a dan carlin podcast yeah you're learning about history Mm -hmm. the whole time dude and especially the way he tells it it's like he's got to me he's got such an interesting perspective because he comes from a non-historical background so he's just looking at it fresh and he's got a different take on it which is that's yeah, cool. if you wanted to read that Rick Rubin book and you're a fan of Dan Carlin, you should check out his. He has a new 
Hardcore History Addendum podcast. Okay. Have you been listening to that one? No. Well, he has like a three and a half hour interview with Rick Rubin. It's oh. Rick Rubin and Dan Carlin. Okay. And it's kind of half Dan Carlin interviewing Rick Rubin, half Rick Rubin okay. interviewing Dan Carlin. And that's great. That, that's a really that good. That sounds amazing. That was a really man. good podcast. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely get but that. But he has, because uh, you know he only puts out a podcast once or twice a year. Yeah. But he has this new addendum thing, which is more like a regular podcast. Yeah, because it. It, it's more of a conversation instead of because Tim talking to people or he'll just talk l- for an hour about something. Yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to just hear him talk about other things. Yeah. Cause I mean the way, the way he does his podcast is the amount of research and the amount of, Oh, I'm uh, obsessed uh, with it. Oh, I re-listen to episodes like once a year. Dude, it's, have you, have you listened to all of his stuff? No, I haven't. I need to though. I, I feel very guilty buying a podcast. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe like once a month, I will buy one of his. So I'm slowly been buying my way through the catalog. But I feel like the way the what he does is is so different that it it it's worth it. To oh, buy it's, it. it's worth it, absolutely. Because I, I, I f- it seems like you're a history buff. I love he is the one who pretty much got me into it. But okay, yeah, I love him and a few other history podcasts. Okay, so I'm 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 really big into history. Oh, cool. So I haven't listened to his stuff in a while. But the way he does it, it's one of those things that's like, it's like buying, you know, you buy a documentary or something like that. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the, the same production value. It's just uh, like audio. So it's really cool to me. So what's your what's your favorite areas of study in history? I I was really I, I really liked uh, World War Two for a while. And ever since I, I, I moved to, to, to the U.S., I'm really big into American history. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you watch that John Adams HBO show? No, I have not. No, I've heard that really good That one's really things. good. Yeah. And it's really balanced, too. It's much more balanced than you would expect. Yeah. It shows the good and the bad. It, it doesn't... I felt like it was very balanced in kind of showing the good and the bad of the British yeah. and the English and yeah. showing that there's... Some people were cool, some people were dicks, but... I'm really glad it was made when it was made. I yeah. feel like if it was made now, it, it would wouldn't be happen. So that, that just were, like finger pointing yeah, at you the whole time, <laughs> which is which is to, th- that's so stupid to me. Like history is history, right? It's like just you, what happened? It, yeah, that's literally what happened. You can't put your take on it. So when when people are like, "Well, that's bad," well, what would you would have done? What what would you what would you have done in that situation at that time? I think you probably would have done the same thing. Oh, yeah. A hundred years from now, everyone will be finger-pointing at us, saying all this yeah. horrible stuff we yeah. did. We did. We've done a lot of dumb shit. <laughs> which we wouldn't even have realized was bad. Yeah. Now. Yeah, man. So is, is the John Adams one, is that the one with Paul Giamatti? Yeah. Okay. It's really good. Really good. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely look that up, dude, because I'm a big fan of Paul Giamatti, and, and I didn't know it was like a, like a historical... What else is good is the Rome show on HBO. Okay. Did you ever watch that one? No, I've never seen that. No. That one's really good, and it's pretty good history too. I don't know if ev- it's everything isn't completely accurate because mm. they make up a few characters. Yeah. They make up these two soldiers that are involved with uh, like Caesar and Pompey and okay. stuff, but uh, they make them up so you can have characters to follow and everything. But okay. it, it's good. It's really good. It's about the time when. Basically, when the Republic was falling apart and Julius Caesar was at his yeah. the height of his powers and all that. Okay. See, the Rome and, like, Greece and all that, that's also some of the stuff that I'm like, oh, dude, this is awesome. That's so. my favorite. Yeah. My favorite, yeah. My favorite stuff in history is probably, yeah, uh, Romans, Greeks, and um, Aztec. Okay. Aztec and Spanish. And just basically all of... um. 
all of the exploring mm-hmm. magellan columbus oh, dude, that, yeah, that is Cook, crazy all that man. stuff is yeah. amazing those stories are incredible yeah especially when you hear dan carlin talk about it it's basically like for them it was like visiting an alien planet it yeah. was like star trek or something yeah and star trek was actually based, based on based on that yeah uh cook Okay. The guy who discovered Australia, that's who Captain Kirk was based on. Really? And a lot of the old Star Trek shows, it's really based on the Navy. Okay. Oh, man. I didn't know that. But, yeah, I love that stuff. Love that stuff. Yeah, man. I, I, that's, I'm, I'm really big into history. So that I, I'll Have you ever tried to joke about history on stage? I, I try to, but a lot of times I find it difficult. Yeah, because I, I I tried talking about the French Revolution at one point, and I just felt like I was just telling history instead of like there weren't <laughs> there weren't any punchlines. So, <laughs> so I don't know, man. Uh, it, I feel like there there is a uh, a way to do it. I just haven't found a way. I think too, where we are, we're usually running into people who are at a bar hanging out with their friends Mm -hmm. and they're really not, if we were on stage in a theater and you start talking about the Aztecs, people would be like, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is great. But when you're at a bar and everyone's drunk and they're idiots, they're like, why don't you talk about your asshole? Stop stop saying dates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point, man. I, I, I think that's when there's people that are coming to see you specifically. Especially the setting too. Yeah. If it's in a nice place, then I think people are ready yeah. for it to be nice. Yeah. Because, like... They're like, you're on the back patio. There's, like, a bird shitting behind you. Yeah. Just be stupid. You're a loser. There's a there's a podcast, the the Shane Gillis, uh, the Shane Gillis podcast with Louie, where they go over all the presidents. Have you heard that one? Mm-mm. I've heard it's amazing. Dude, it is so fun. And, like, you can tell that they're really big history buffs. So the, the, the way they dig into it and then, some, like, every once in a while, you know, they're making jokes and stuff like that. So it's it's very interesting. So I, I definitely think that there's a way to do it. Oh, yeah. I I think you're right. The setting definitely has a big, big, uh, big part to play in that. So I think, too, a lot of that. This is something I had never really thought about, but there's this comic called... Um, Jay White Cotton, I'm pretty sure is his name. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him? Uh, sounds he, familiar. he would go to Lucky Duck a lot. He has long hair, but it's gray. Mm. Very funny guy. Yeah, I think I, I think I know who you're talking about. But he was telling me, uh, you're at these mics, and a lot of times you're trying to do bits that are 20 minutes into the set. Yeah. He's saying, actually, all you can really do at these mics is do your first three minutes. Because mm. when you try to do your closer or you try to do a yeah. bit that fits better 15 minutes in, yeah. like, but they didn't get the first three minutes, yeah. so they're not ready. And so I think that's true. I think, And it sucks because I think those are all the worst jokes. Like, oh, I look like this, or how's everyone yeah. doing? You guys know this about me. Yeah. But really, when that's all people have seen about you, you kind of have to do the introduction. Yeah. Yeah, they... So the history bits is probably, you know, a 10-minute in, a 20-minute in Yeah, type something thing. like that they already know you. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I I, I didn't know you were into – man, you're such a – like a such a bag of surprises, man. So, all right, now you're uh, in Boise and you're doing stand-up and, like, you're doing uh, – was it DoorDash or Uber Eats or both of them? Do all of them, yeah. Grubhub, yeah. Postmates. So, what makes you think? Oh man, I should. B- did you move to Austin right out from there? No. So from there, and I actually lived with you know Casey, right? Casey Rocket. Yeah. I I don't know him. I know who he is. 
I met him right when I moved to Idaho, and when we lived together in Idaho twice. Okay. Okay. So first we lived together, and then we both got girlfriends and moved in with them, mm-hmm. and then our girlfriends left us, and we moved back in together. Okay. That's pretty <laughs> fun. And then, uh, so yeah, me and Casey were in Idaho. This would have been the very beginning of 2021. Our lease ran out, so I moved back in with my parents to save some money. Because mm-hmm. like I was saying, I was paying like three times the Yeah, rent. yeah, that that sounds... And then I lived with my parents in Fresno for about two months. And then I found out my grandparents were in really bad shape. Okay. So I moved in with them back in Riverside County, mm-hmm. California. And I took care of them for about seven months. And okay. then while I was taking care of them, then I saved up enough money to... Uh, and so I got together with my buddy Nick from Fresno. Okay. And we moved to Austin together in okay. November of... I think November 2021. Okay. Wow. So... That's pretty cool to have a buddy from like way back then to live here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was really cool. But yeah, we always kept in touch, and he was like, "Yeah, I want to move out. You know, come move with me." And and a lot of people moved here. Casey moved here. My old buddy Derek from Fresno moved here. Okay. There's other people I knew. Keith Ray back in the day, he moved here. So yeah, lots of people I used to do stand up with back in the day moved here. Oh, my friend Caden from. Idaho, he moved mm-hmm. here. So, yeah, tons of, tons of people for that I knew. So, it was pretty cool. Okay. Man, that's pretty cool. So, what uh, what's, out of all the scenes that you've been in, what's the favorite thing about them? My, well, my favorite thing about doing stand-up in Fresno was Barmageddon, my friend's bar. Mm-hmm. It's not around anymore, but it was... That was my favorite place on earth. Yeah, it was a video game bar. They had all the consoles. They had arcade games. And then they would just have really cool punk and comedy shows all the time okay. there. Okay. Yeah, that sounds awesome. They had a couch in the back room. I would sleep there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I loved that place. So, yeah, I loved doing stand-up Sounds there. like a good hangout place, That too. was the best, man. The best. I never wanted to leave. <laughs> and then in Idaho... My favorite memory of Idaho is probably just watching Casey, seeing yeah? him kind of figure out what he does now. Was did he have? How long did it take him to figure out that? I mean, he was always really funny. It, he, his stuff was a bit more, I guess, a bit more like everyone else. Okay. In the beginning, but yeah, our, I could remember watching him at Liquid Laughs, kind of starting to do what he does, and it was amazing. It's just amazing to see. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's so cool. I got to see that in front of like four people so many yeah. times. That's pretty cool. And now that was in Idaho. And now when you move back to Fresno, I mean, what to Riverside, were you doing comedy in Riverside? No, no, it was, uh, it was still pretty locked down in California. Okay. I probably could have found something, but I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. California is a complicated place to, yeah. to, be like and actually i've heard from other comics that riverside doesn't really have much stand-up yeah strangely yeah hmm. you would think like being so close to yeah one of the bigger i guess they scenes. just figure if you really want to do it you'll go it's to san diego out. or la okay yeah i've heard have you ever been to san diego to do comedy not to do comedy i used to go all the time though because i lived pretty close mm-hmm. to it yeah you're like an hour away right mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's I love San Diego. I, I've heard the scene is really fun. Too. Yeah, it's an awesome place. Yeah. So, and now that you're in Austin, how long have you been in 2021, you said? Yeah, November 2021. So, so you're, you're two years now, right? 
Two years. Yeah. I guess two years. What uh what's been your favorite thing about being in Austin? Um well, it's absolutely the best place that I've yeah? ever done comedy. Yeah, okay. I, I, my favorite thing about it is um, the... I knew I wanted to move here because I wanted to be in the comedy scene where Joe Rogan mm-hmm. was like the, yeah. the king of the comedy scene. Yeah. So I always knew it wouldn't... Because in California, but especially in Idaho, there it was very political. Yeah. And you could easily get blackballed from all the shows. Yeah. Very backstabby, gossipy, mm. and just yeah. disgusting. So that's what I love about being here. You see people, someone go up who's like practically in an Antifa, and then right after see someone go up who's far right. And yeah. everyone just seems to coexist somehow. Yeah, it's there's, wonderful. There's no problem with that. And yeah. I think that's the coolest aspect of it. Too. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Man. Um because <clears throat> by the time you moved here was uh how long have uh, had he had rogan been in town um i don't know maybe a year or so okay so he'd been here yeah. for a little bit okay i uh but i could just tell like man kill tony's going there mm-hmm. all these huge comedians are moving there yeah. that's the place there's gonna be something there that's happening yeah actually my buddy derek me and him were talking about moving here way before Joe Rogan did back in the yeah. day because we were just like, it's a cool place, but it's not L.A. or New York. Yeah. Because you know, we're not really, um, we're small town guys. Yeah. So when I was in, I, I when, where I started comedy was in L.A. And I, my wife and I were trying to buy a house and buying a house there was kind of a chore. Even just visiting L.A. for a day is a nightmare. <laughs> I, I can't imagine living there. That's going to be so tough. It's I always enjoyed it, but I, I can see why people didn't like it. I've probably been there 150 times in my life. I've been there a lot, but every time I've gone there, I was like, man, it is a, it's hard to yeah. just be here, to yeah. get there, and to leave. Yeah. So the, the, the thing that made me want to leave was the housing market. I'm like, dude, I'm not paying half a million bucks for a shitty house. That is yeah. not what California's I'm doing. been losing like three hundred thousand people a year. Yeah, the population is declining, and I just heard that they're they're having like really bad uh, money trouble because people keep leaving and all the businesses are leaving. So yeah. they're like billions of dollars in debt. And there, I, I heard that there's a a new law that they're trying to implement where even if you're leaving and you sell your house, you still have to pay tax like the leaving tax or whatever it's called. So they're they're trying because that's happening. They're trying to tax people that are leaving get like just a, to get some a, of the pieces. Tax of the you have to pay yeah. to leave. Yeah, which is dude, what the fuck, dude. So, but anyway, the we were thinking, and Austin was one of the places that I thought of as well. So the only reason we didn't, because we're like, okay, there's there's a scene here, so you're you're still be able to get like four or five mics a week. That's which is good, and housing is a lot cheaper but my wife got a job in like southern utah where we didn't have to pay rent and oh wow so a house came with the job yeah so i'm like oh i can't really say no to that yeah no that's amazing so i'm like ah, how hard could it be to start a comedy scene turns out it's pretty hard uh but i learned a lot while i was there and so did you make your own mic or yeah i i started my own mic i tried to do one that was every day <laughs> it, it didn't work. So I, I tried to adjust to the amount of times people would go to. So I went to three times a week and three times a week was still a little too much. So I went to twice a week and twice a week seemed to be a, the, the good number. Was there enough people in town who wanted to do stand up? 
It was like six or seven people, dude. It's, okay. Yeah. That's not that bad. It's not bad. That's actually what seems really tolerable. Yeah. I would think, I would imagine the business would prefer that to 45 comics yeah. going up. And yeah. That, that, so having open mics. Because you guys mic, are in and out. It doesn't take yeah, long. Yeah. Having open mics there were pretty tolerable in that sense because they don't last that long. And actually, it was nice to. I don't know how the mics were in, in, in Fresno and Boise, but there were actual people at the mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like... No, that was, that was a great thing about Idaho. Every mic was like a really good show here. Yeah. It would be like 20, 25 people yeah. just there. Amazing. Yeah. So like amazing. You, you get to like find your voice with actual people instead oh, of just amazing. the comics. We were so spoiled in Idaho. Everyone would get laughs and be great at all the open oh, mics. Man. It sounds insane, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's 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 awesome, and there's things that you can miss about that, but there's other things that this place provides that you can't just get anywhere else, right? So it's it it was. I think we were there for the perfect amount of time. Yeah, exactly. So the and then so I think in 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 my case the my. When I got here, I got here like a year and a half ago. So by the time I got here, like Robogun had been here for two or three years, however long it's been. Mm -hmm. And so it's like already like booming and stuff like that. So I feel like, oh, man, it it helped in the sense that, oh, there's like a million mics here. Yeah. So you, get, you can get mic wise, you can get as much stage time as you want. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff happening here, too. So I guess in a way. I learned the stuff that I learned over there because I learned how to produce shows. I learned how to run mics and stuff like that, which is very useful here. And also, it's kind of a way to like meet people too. Yeah, so yeah. It's a, uh, I guess in a way we kind of have a similar um, jumping starting point to be here. So, um, what uh, do do you still enjoy being here? In Austin? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I do. I do. Because I, I hear people say, like, oh, man, this is a shitty place. I'm like, oh. I don't think... I think it's the best place to do yeah. stand-up. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. I can't say that... I mean, a lot of the mics are heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. They're hard. Yeah. But uh, I love the place. I do. Yeah. yeah. It's a great place to do stand-up. And there's... I, a, anytime like, I have trouble, it's, it's my own fault. Yeah. That's... I think that's the best way to look at it, because... If you don't look at it as your fault, then you're just going to be bitter. Right. And you're not going to look for a solution. So yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Robert and I were talking about the the homeless dude. I don't know if it, he was homeless or not that was at the tiniest bar oh, the other day. Yeah. That that was interesting. And and you're like, I, I remember, like, you're like, this is my fault. This is not the homeless guy's fault. And yeah. <laughs> you just got to laugh out of that. <laughs> and and people were all like, man, the vibe or whatever. But oh, it, no. It, what Hal means is that there was a big hullabaloo with this homeless guy at this outdoor bar. And they got him completely gone from the show right before I went up. Because he had been heckling people for, like, the last three or four comics. And then I went up. Barely got any laughs at all, so I was like, "All right, this is my fault. Can't blame <laughs> it on him." Kind of wish he was here now, but <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But it, I think that's a perfect way to look at it because I you see people that are blaming the crowd all the time. And it's like, well, 
even if it is the crowd's fault, you should it's still just, blame yourself. It's still your fault because you can still turn it around. And I there's feel, always something you could do. Yeah, and I feel like the best comedians always turn it around somehow. Well, I mean, even if there genuinely was a time when it was the crowd's fault, mm-hmm. you should still blame yourself. Yeah, because that's the the only way you have anything you could do about it. Yeah, that's that's so true, man. What uh, is there something that you would like to plug or anything like that? Um, well, if uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram, it's Matthew Amos Comedy. And, uh, yeah, we haven't started our YouTube. We're going to st- – anyway, so you could look up my comedy album on Bandcamp if you just look up Matthew Amos Comedy on Google. I'll definitely give that a and, listen. And, uh, yeah, pretty soon me and Alex will have our Content USA YouTube channel with comedy on there. Nice. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thank you. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba